0: Crow talk. Crow talk. Film Film squawk. squawk. Captain Marvel, directed by Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, 2019. Welcome. If you're new to Crow talk, we're going to start off this podcast with yays and nays. Three reasons to see this film, and three reasons maybe you shouldn't see this film. Then we'll squawk. This is when we discuss aspects of the film that stood out to each of us details that really bothered us, and just generally talk your ear off. Finally, we will consider takeaways, things we want to remember moving forward about this film, or film in general. After suffering retrograde amnesia, a human woman is recruited by a race of self-described noble warrior heroes to fight as their helpful yet oft-described overly emotional wildcard. As she begins to discover who she is, things go downhill. So what are some yays, Stacey, Cassidy? for seeing this film.
1: My yay, it's me, Cassidy. My yay actually came from like a snippet of a conversation Stacy and I had before I saw the film. And the yay is, it's a superhero movie with a star woman, no romance storyline. That's my yay. No love story.
2: My yay for Captain Marvel is that it's a marvelous depiction of The power of female legacy.
0: And my yay is that Carol Danvers is a normal woman. That's my yay.
1: Yay. Yay.
0: So how about nays? Some reasons not to see Captain Marvel. My
2: nay would be that it felt a little predictable and formulaic at times.
1: As Someone who's
2: like the hardest sell
1: on comic book movies. I feel like I say this every podcast. I'm like, hello, it's me, the pessimist. (laughs) (laughs) That's Cassidy. Me, Cassidy, the pessimist. Um, I don't follow the Marvel universe. I've seen some of the films. And so having only seen a few of them, my nay is that I've only seen a few of them. And so I feel like I was pulled out at points in the movie, recognizing certain characters or themes from other films. And just being a layman when it comes to comic books, I, like, didn't understand. And so I'd have to be like, wait a minute. Is that so-and-so from this? Ooh. (laughs) Um, So it took me out of it a little bit. And though I have, you know, a list
0: of technical nays, uh, delivery nays, directing nays, visual nays, my only real nay has nothing to do with not seeing this film. My only real nay is... Uh, the community's handling of the release of Captain Marvel. It was despicable.
1: (laughs) For all of the dum-dums out there like me, could you expand on that?
0: So before Captain Marvel was even released, and definitely piggyback here, Stace, um, before it was even released there was an outpouring of negative reviews on specifically rotten tomatoes that brought that brought captain marvel's rating down to a 28% uh, before people had even a, a chance of seeing it
1: did this have to do with the casting of re- like the fact that it was a woman or
0: you know there are a lot of there there's much speculation about okay. what it was specifically
1: white men were like
0: <laughs> "we will never be taken down" Potentially it's based predominantly on a a Brie Larson response uh, early on um, before the film was released. But ultimately, beyond the reasons behind this backlash, it's unprecedented that this this has not happened before uh, in this way. And I think that in and of itself, not to mention the responses after the film was released by the predominantly male driven film critique world, there's just a lot to be analyzed and said for how male voices are. There's a lot to be said for how men are using their voices in response to this. Uh, Men who are way off base and men who claim to be woke. And so I think the community uh, could use this as an example. I think that that we're a little bit too blind still for it to be an example um, or for us to learn from it yet. But ultimately, yeah, I'm just disappointed to see how blind people are to their own inability to appreciate a lens that's not theirs.
2: Particularly the comic book world. Yes. I mean, ladies are just getting into that as far as the cinematic experience is concerned.
1: Well, and just the weird, like, Sorry if you're a comic book guy out there listening, but that, like, I mean, I'm, again, not really part of the comic book world, but it seems to me that there's some seriously severe sexism that goes on in that world. And I don't know if it's, like, from a place of, like, rejection in a lot of the people, but I feel like that's also a part of the gaming world, as well as a woman gamer online. It's, like, apparently awful, the type of uh, feedback that you receive from male players when you're playing Live, I'm saying all the wrong words. No, it's all it's a boys' club. But yeah, just that like hyper boys' club. Mm -hmm. Did we talk about this conversation? To me, feels familiar because we've had in a different. Was it Isle of Dogs? We talked.
2: We said the words "boys' club" like six times. I bet. Hmm.
1: I almost thought it was in regards to somewhat like a female taking on a male. Maybe it was Ocean's Eight. Even I, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I unpacked my nay very well.
2: Oh, I think you, well, I think you did. I think you're talking about its reception before it even existed. Just the idea that it could exist (laughs) and the way it was handled changed the way Rotten Tomatoes operates. Right. They've changed their, their rating system now before a film comes out because it was so vindictive. They just made up lies. They made up reviews. That's disgusting.
1: It is. And for I'm just so tired of you white men. I'm sick of you. I'm married to a white man. Love you, husband. But God, shut up. Just being at the top all the time.
0: Well, and yeah, even, you know, for popular male film critics who are working to see both sides and have their voice make an impact... Um, in new, fresh ways. Uh, People that I love to read, read their reviews, don't always agree. That's great. That's how it's supposed to be. You know, there, there's something similar in what a lot of people are saying. um, A lot of men are saying around this film, even after, even after it's come out, like David Ehrlich of IndieWire, his uh, letterboxed review says that, Captain Marvel is the 21st installment of the 21st century's most popular mega franchise and somehow the first to center on a heroine, a fact that makes the film's arrival a sadly overdue cause for celebration, like a kid blowing out their birthday candles on the 21st try. Or Matt Singer of Screen Crush says in Captain Marvel, they never quite licked the problem of a lead character who doesn't know who she is until the film's final act. Both of these Men somehow missing the point that this is brand new representation and that a lot of women are struggling to determine who they are in this world because they've not had uh, an opportunity to see themselves projected and portrayed in ways that men have. And so, yeah, sometimes it takes us a little while to figure out who we are when. Our identity has been limited.
1: And society's telling us who we should be. Exactly. Well, then. I'm just so tired of like only this one perspective of like the white male perspective. I'm like, okay, yes, I understand that that is your perspective. But women make up half of the planet. I mean, what he just
2: described is an origin story. Mm -hmm. So
1: if you read comic books,
2: you know that all heroes have an origin story, an origin story where they are trying to discover who they are. That is the essence of what an origin story is in the comic book world. Unless so you have they a vagina. nail on the head. Like she didn't know who she was and now she does. Now we get to explore Captain Marvel. That's how these, that's how the comic book, book world is.
0: <laughs> well, and there are many individuals, many men and women, people pointing out that the first quarter of the film is convoluted. Can't say I disagree. However, however, that's also the difference between a general origin story and a myth origin story where you're working to unpack fantasy or science fiction and you're working with meta-analysis essentially of other worlds and other people and other races and other creatures and other dimensions and other weaponry. Uh, you're you're establishing language for some people for the very first time. And so yes, convoluted because it's complex. Uh, not, I'm not commenting on whether it was um, explained perfectly or extremely well. I'm just saying that that is worth noting. Myth origin is going to require more. And I find that to be an incredibly audacious bite to take out of this second Filmic representation of women as superheroes in film.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, then there are individuals who are men who are talking in a way that is far less uh, careful, far less theoretical or working so hard to be PC, like Kyle Smith, who had a lot of vitriol dispute titling his national review article, Do Female Film Critics Need a Safe Space? where he went on to lambast a Twitter-certified female writer's post extolling the sheer volume of men reviewing Captain Marvel and negatively asking... Should culture be a Victorian dinner party at which the men and women separate, the men smoking cigars and talking politics while the ladies settle in a separate area to discuss lady issues? If a man's opinion holds no value in women's spheres of influence, maybe women should butt out when the discussion turns to sectors led by men.
1: Hey, Kyle Smith, go fuck yourself.
0: When it comes to capitalism, maybe all the female social workers and school teachers should zip their lips while the male stockbrokers and hedge fund managers decide matters. Further still, (laughs) he suggests that people often fail to see the point of who films are for, including Brie Larson, who last year said, I do not need a 40-year-old white dude to tell me what didn't work for him about Wrinkle in Time. It wasn't made for him. I want to know what it meant to women of color, to biracial women, to teen women of color, to teens that are biracial. Thankfully for all of us, Smith goes on to explain... That a wrinkle in time costs well over $100 to make and distribute, and that he doubts that Walt Disney Company expected to turn a profit by selling tickets exclusively to biracial teen girls uh, any more than MGM's marketing plan for The Wizard of Oz involved attracting only teen girls, scarecrows, talking lions, and metallic
1: woodcutters. Because, you know, 40-year-old white men love a wrinkle in time. Totally the target (laughs) fucking demo there. Hey, Kyle Smith, email us. I dare you. I'm
2: so tired of... Oh, keep going. No, keep going. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 just the insecurities here well it's and talking just... like
1: we need to be protected this makes me think of free the penis where I'm like we need to be protective women are like out there exposed all the time like fighting for our rights while men have like little chastity belts over there little tiny peabies <laughs> fucking covering it up Trying to protect uh, their manhood. Like, that's what this is. Are you scared, Kyle? It's just
2: they're so insecure and I'm so tired of them projecting
1: their well, proverbial
2: and, jizz all over the place. And the
0: comments were a minefield. Uh, obviously, I, the, the article had to have been written for a certain audience. 40-year-old men. <laughs> I wasn't this audience. And it's crazy because it just happened to come up in general, just a general search on Google. I don't know how I landed there uh, because it's it's mind-boggling it's not mind-boggling it's totally totally accurately portraying an enormous section of of men and male ideals the ones who resulted in the 28% on rotten tomatoes for this film but ultimately in the comments <laughs> it's okay the men explained that you know i don't they don't really understand why women should have a say because women aren't really into superheroes or comic
2: books
1: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I don't even know how to res- I'm leaving. <laughs> podcast over.
2: That's the that's the comment that sent all of that negative press before the film was even out into motion. That was what she said was what made all the troops rally. Are
1: these the same people that like are white supremacists? Like what the F, yeah, F? in that? I've said it enough. I've said the F-word enough already in this podcast. It's a bunch like, of Who
2: Who Cry Baby bullshit. Going on?
1: It just like scares me because I'm like, what century? are we living in
2: well and what you said earlier these are people that I that have great things to say and that I respect and then this happens and I just Mm -hmm. I cannot understand like I'm unable to to empathize at all or or try to see it from their point of view it makes no sense it's ridiculous it just
1: makes me angry where I'm like I don't need to try to see a white man's perspective anymore that's like the world that we've that you that is the world we live in
2: so So. uh, it makes me laugh well,
0: and it I, makes me like break things. <laughs> I just so like, I don't understand the reduction, especially by Ehrlich, of this depiction, and how he found it to be so lackluster that he then equated it to birthday candles that have been waiting too long to be blown out. When this was actually a fire being lit. No matter your response to the technicalities of the film, or no matter if you liked the origin story, or if you even recognized that it was a myth origin story, this really had an impact on me. The entire conversation going into the film and the conversation now coming out of it, to the point where I, it almost makes me speechless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then I remember that that would be them winning. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, let's talk about this movie as ladies, like what we liked about it, because fuck off male critics, like fuck off, fuck off.
2: I mean, <laughs> I seeing a woman leap into the air, like f- projecting herself into space does something to me that I cannot describe, and I'm assuming it's like a man watching Superman. Right. Like that feeling of just awesome, the true sen- sense of the word awesome. I've never felt that. I didn't even necessarily feel that in Wonder Woman it was different this this one was just different it was more the, playful
1: I feel like she added like a girlish playful element to the character that didn't take away from her strength or her intention but yeah she was like rocketing through space and being like
2: Whoa! she was so I, power I mean it was just like it was how I imagine people looking at Superman feel well and I I equate
0: that you know difference between the experience of watching Wonder Woman and the difference then therein with Captain Marvel, I think a lot of that for me has to do with the fact that when watching Wonder Woman, I felt a distance between myself and Wonder Woman. Even though I was watching the most incredible representation of its time, for me, I still felt a difference. She is a princess from... Wonder Woman's Island and she has these innate abilities and she's Gal Gadot and she's just ah, love, love her. You know, lots of backlash for her after embodying Wonder Woman, et cetera, et cetera. But just in the viewing itself, I definitely did find a distance for me that I hadn't recognized until I sat with my confusion over my feelings while watching Brie for the first half of Captain Marvel, wondering why I didn't feel the awe, why I didn't feel the spectacular, why I didn't feel the distance. And when it finally hit me about midway through, I recognized that she is a normal human woman, telling the normal human woman's story with, you know, literal superpowers instead of all of our figurative superpowers. That's when I recognize the difference between these two stories and the power that each of them have in their own way and in their own right. And yeah, you know, no one's going to take that away from me.
1: Yeah. I think that's why I get so pissed off when I hear and sweary when I hear these types of reviews, because for me sitting in the theater, I connect so hard to both of these films in a way I've never been allowed to before because it's never been there for women to enjoy in Mm -hmm. this way. And even... Brie Larson's character and maybe it was because she was human and went through the whole flight school and everything but that motivated me as a woman to be a better woman too Mm -hmm. like she was like a motivator somehow and yeah I just get so irritated by these male critics who have no idea what it's like to live a full life we're all in our 30s to live a life where you've gone throughout your entire life without any sort of role model with Power like a superhero. Because the reason I don't give a shit about superhero movies is because, yeah, stupid critics, you're right. They're not for women. And how awesome <laughs> to make a film that men and women can both go to and enjoy. That's powerful. And that's like human race power right there. And I'm just so tired of like, being like, oh, women need space to explore this idea. Like, fuck, no, we don't. We just need to, like, see it on a screen and understand that that's an option for us too. Well, and
0: well, and the, the Twitter reviewer, the, the writer, uh, who was lambasted online, she was asking, she was begging outlets to have their female critics review Captain Marvel because again and again and again, and she included 17 links of all of these news outlets and journals and periodicals that were having male film critics review the film. Now, are there way more male film critics? Yeah, there are. Weird. But is this an opportunity for women to use their lens to share their insights for other women and for men? What?
1: Yeah, because there's our general theme of this entire podcast is it's a woman about a story, then this in this version with critics being told through a male's point of view. That needs to stop. That needs to stop. Like, sure, there can still be male critics, but balance, people. <laughs> balance. Uh, I don't know. I'm, like, preaching at the internet. I'm sorry, every listener, gentle listeners out there. I'm always just, like, <laughs> yelling in these podcasts.
2: <laughs> I... I feel uh, like Ble- like Brie Larson at the end of Captain Marvel, where Yon uh, Rog,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> the worst character uh, name known ever, has
2: Jude Law
0: daddy. Jude,
1: Jude, Jude, Jude Law daddy. It's something on the internet. And I don't Jude know what Law it means. Daddy? Yeah,
0: everyone's like Jude Law daddy. Is that because he's cute? No idea.
1: Or is I'm it because he's Jan Rog? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Yon. good name. I will be naming my firstborn <laughs> son Jan Rog. rog. <laughs> All
2: of us did not know his name until Rochelle gave us our printouts, and on it, <laughs> it says Jude Law, Jan Rog. And then hyphenated. Cassidy
1: for five minutes was just like Jan Rog, Jan <laughs> Rog. So
2: my, one of my one of the highlights in the film for me was. When he starts taking credit for her transformation, and he's like, Now just take away, remove your power and come at me and show me. And then she, in the middle of his (laughs) soliloquy, just shoots him. (laughs) I'm just yeah. like, I have nothing to prove. That's how I feel about all of these people ranting. I want to find a way of just like, stop. I want to shoot them with oh, my nothing... like,
1: photon energy.
2: <laughs> 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 nothing to prove because nothing's going to penetrate, clearly. That wasn't a death threat, by the way. No, she <laughs> turned her wrist over <laughs> and shot like Spider-Man. Yeah, she was doing a little Spider-Man thing. <laughs>
1: it was Ew. very awesome. photon power yeah.
2: Oh, that's how I feel. And I'm sure that's how Brie Larson, I'm sure that was a cathartic moment of just like, Oh, shut up. And I don't need to prove anything to you because it won't matter.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it's it, true. It,
2: I mean, it, maybe it will, but right now <laughs> it feels like we're just like shouting at a wall, oh my right? Gosh. And, and I I'm just literally don't care. shouting
1: like at a wall in this podcast Cassidy's studio. I'm like, like white knuckling it. her office
0: chair. <laughs> and I think that was what I was nervous about because I was nervous going into this podcast because it's all it all feels so loaded, and it genuinely feels like no one is listening and no one is being heard. Uh, from from all lines, all sides. Uh, but I felt represented in both Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel. Even more so in this way, uh, just the normal humanity, the normal reality of being a woman. Uh, yeah, it was shown in somewhat tongue-in-cheek or on-the-nose cliches. And I liked how they used those, you know, emotions are weakness that need to be avoided, et cetera. I, I liked how they bought into those because they're still so prevalent and need to continue to be undone, whether it's in humor or whether it's just in like, here it is in your face. And that also felt like representation to me. Uh, I love the fact that Wonder Woman made 120 million, and that Captain Marvel is already at 912 million. So
1: nuts. Oh, wait,
0: 915.
1: Pardon. Pardon. That is amazing. Yeah, I just, I think I just got so upset by those reviews because I didn't read the reviews before we came in to podcast. And yeah, I just felt so good watching that film. Like, Mm -hmm. Mikey Rochelle, I connected hard with Brie Larson's character, the playfulness of a woman as a superhero. And the humor in it—that's something that's always lacking for me in other, uh, like comic book esque films. But yeah, the playfulness that Brie Larson brought to it—I loved the friendship, love. Yep, that's so important with women. We, I think, do support each other in a very different way than men. And maybe you just can't understand it, men. Maybe <laughs> you just need a private little circle, to safe space to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> I thought I was going to say like
2: circle trip. <laughs> and
0: Lashana Lynch was. Exceptional. I enjoyed her so much as Maria Rambo. Maria Rambo. Maria Rambo.
1: Yeah, so for me, it just hit a lot of nails right on the head. <laughs> and yeah, it's again, strange as a woman to have seen so many films throughout her life and then suddenly, like, as a 30 year old, be like, wow, a movie that's actually made for me that's not like a rom com.
0: Mm-hmm. Based on the response, oh, okay. The precursor and the response, as well as the amount of money that these films are making, and even just the inherent story, what's being called out. What are you seeing in relation to women as weapons? Bodies as weapons. How is that? Is that coming through for you at all? In,
1: yeah, that's such a good point. I didn't even think of that even with Annette Bening's character. We she have was been a weaponized. Weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she was the weapon they were looking for, essentially. And then it was Marie Larson. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that.
0: Our bodies as weapons? I
1: wonder if it's the threat of the patriarchy. Like, Stace, we talk about this a lot when it comes to free the penis, which maybe I should give a quick snippet of background that is a short documentary we've worked on over the last few years, and it's a narrative about female and male nudity in mainstream narratives, specifically film. So I wonder if women are weaponized because men are so scared of losing their power Th- through Free the Penis. It <laughs> felt like that a lot of the reason that you don't see full frontal male nudity is because men are in charge and they're protecting their weakness, which is essentially like their arousal. Mm-hmm. Um and so I wonder if that's just a projection almost of protecting the patriarchy that's controlling the world right now.
0: Well, I'm controlling superheroes, comic books, film, box office hits, like directing, the world. everything <laughs> and everything to do with just this piece of entertainment. Yeah. You know, if, if women can helm, write, direct, star in these films and not have necessarily like the type of Avengers ensemble but still make tons and tons and tons of money not that this cast wasn't fantastic because it was it it was super hitting but yeah I I think that's threatening and in the film itself Brie Larson is, is also the weapon and she's continually reminded as a way of controlling her and as a way of essentially deactivating her she's constantly reminded to keep her emotions in check, th- essentially not to think for herself, not to go outside of the boundaries that she's been given. And it's all placed in this military-esque, we're the good guys. We're here to protect others mentality. And as soon as she starts asking questions, as soon as she starts feeling that emotion and just getting in touch with who she is, not the emotion, but just who she is, it that erodes. And that's what we're seeing in the world. We're seeing an erosion of confines being placed on our identities. And I think that this is the the greatest weapon of all. But I don't think it should be a weapon.
1: No, and I think that's a misperception from the other side of things that it's a weapon or could be. This is Hollywood. 81% of board members in Hollywood are men. 94% of Hollywood film executives are white. 78% 78% of Parent Media Corporation's senior leadership is male. 96% of film directors are men. 98% of film composers are men, but not in this film. 76% of writers across all platforms are men. Yay, film critics. 87% of directors across all platforms are white. 95% of disabled characters are played by able-bodied actors. That one's kind of a curveball, but still fucked up.
0: Well, and that leads straight into concepts of other types of representation. That was what really stood out to me more than I could have ever expected because it's just not my story. So it's not something I fully ever related to. But in my viewing of Wonder Woman, after letting the representation of myself um, sink in and how I felt levi- the levity of, of seeing a woman so powerful um, that I that I still connected to even if there was a bit of a distance. After I worked through that and got deeper into the story, what crashed over me was the empathy that I'd been trying to latch onto, that I had been trying to, to hold my hand out toward and hold hold lightly while watching Black Panther finally sat in my palm and I was able to just touch the empathy of having true representation for an entire people group. Now, I can't, I can't empathize or relate fully at all, but the combination of, of feeling represented myself and then being able to harken back to watching um, black people be represented in just one of the most beautiful superhero films I've ever seen absolutely in my life, done so well, uh, it, it finally connected for me in a different way in Wonder Woman. And that's what I really enjoyed about Captain Marvel and what... Evolves with the scroll.
1: Oh uh, my god. Can we just I mean, give him a shout out really quick? Ben
2: Mendelson? Okay, that's all. Ben Mendelsohn. I love you. Oh, I, I have inappropriate Ben Mendelsohn feelings. like, I like, for like him Shannon. as an
1: alien, I'm into More it. More than
2: Michael Shannon? Oh, it's on the same level. Oh my god. It's his like
1: lisp. Mine oh. is Ben Mendelsohn, but as the alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Into it. Loving but his family. Oh my gosh. Well, and then her...
2: Her arc, her f- her final chapter is devoting her life to oh. this marginalized group. Oh my god, that's I mean,
1: and that's kind of Brie Larson. That's incredible too, as an actress. I <laughs> feel like not that she's devoted herself to a marginalized group, but I feel like she is aware of it and takes that into consideration in the projects that she pursues. Correct, yay, Brie! Yay I mean, she Brie. spends
2: three decades. I mean, we'll find out in the in uh, Avengers Endgame what happens, but we believe she spent the past three decades with the scroll. That's pretty incredible. I can't think of another superhero that's devoted themselves to a group of aliens in that way.
0: Well, and I yeah, I just appreciate uh, how this film confronts a woman assessing her identity after she's been taken advantage of by a group that says that they are right. She takes a hold of her identity. Sully peels back the layers, working backward, trying to remember who she really is. In the process, finds out that she has been killing and demonizing an entire group of people based on her leaders telling her that they are wrong and that the pre are right. So she has to unpack that as well and recognizes, I am fucking part of the problem. This is unacceptable. I will immediately
1: change. This is America. This, <laughs>
0: this is America. This, this is this religion. Is. This is so many things. It's so beautiful. And she makes the change. It's her story. It's 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 already been written. But how it's depicted and how it's laid out in this film, gorgeous.
1: I loved it. And I wasn't sure at the beginning of the podcast when you were talking about like the, the first portion of the film being convoluted. If that was in context to not understanding like which side she was on or exactly what was going on, which I, again, as a comic book layman loved because it was such a surprise towards the end of the film to see that flip. And I mean, really, I do feel like that is America, like that mm-hmm. is America is thinking that you're on the right side of things, that everything's fine, that you're fat in the good old fight and then having the veil lifted. And I feel like that's the time we're living in now, too. So that part is important. Mm -hmm. Again, film critics, I'm so upset (laughs) about you right now in this movie. I'm like using a lot of flailing hand gestures. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, and there are
2: so many cliches. uh, But when you really think about it, it's just the truth. Yep. So uh, I know people had problems with the pervasive 90s music oh my god like, I loved but it's like it let's think about I'm just no a girl doubts, in the world I'm just a girl in the world and that's all that you'll let me be Ugh. I cannot think of more apt words to describe what's going on in the world right now and I'm sorry if it feels cliche and on the nose but that's because it's the truth
1: cliches are cliche for a reason
2: so I, I mean I don't even know what to say it's I would just say, the truth.
1: Go by Tragic Kingdom and fucking listen to it because <laughs> that was one of the best man. albums of the 90s. in
2: my car
0: right now. Oh my gosh, it's, it's on the phone. Jealous. It's on the phone. But and that, that's a selfish, not necessarily selfish, but it's definitely personal because, you know, as I was growing up, these songs, What a Man, Only Happy When It Rains, You Gotta Be waterfalls come on oh, man. Come on. I, like, and of course just too, a made girl
1: deal out of that when I came come on. on i like was nudging my husband like hey. <laughs> i
0: was singing and i'm not even sorry through the entire film because it was me growing up yes. in america and in the pacific northwest
1: and that's what ladies need like we need to connect that way and i'm going back to i'm just a girl in the world that's all that you'll fucking let me be okay <laughs> people like safe space perhaps <laughs> I wish it weren't so on the nose. Oh well, my but, that, gosh. I, but, but it is,
0: and that's—it's just one more thing to complain about. But they still don't get it. It's on the fucking nose. It's right there, explicit, laid out, super easy to grasp. Still nuanced in that in that delivery as well, because
2: it's going right over their heads. Mm-hmm. They don't even get it. They criticize it.
1: They're like, wait. This isn't about a dude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or
0: as well, they they have a lot of opinions mm-hmm. and they have a lot that they want to say. Uh, when there are other people. There are other people living this film. And you know, maybe they have something mm, more pertinent to add to the conversation. Those <laughs> are
1: the people I would like to hear from. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I am so tired. Of these entitled mm-hmm. white dudes. And I'm also a white woman. So I don't even know how I feel saying that. But God, <laughs> it would just be so refreshing to have new perspectives thrown in to film criticisms that aren't the status quo. And I think that's exactly what we need. I preach this every time. I feel like this is always my feedback. I'm like, mm, white men, huh?
2: <laughs> you know, what I'm excited for... Is a few Captain Marvel movies down the road, um, which would be Monique Rambo as Captain Marvel, because oh. that's what happens in the comic books. Seriously? Yes. That's what I'm excited for.
1: Yeah, and I agree with, I mean, Rochelle, you've said this throughout our podcast, is that we're, like, moving towards a point where this conversation is going to open up and and we're gaining but boy, I have a hard time controlling my frustration on that journey, <laughs> especially when you get hit with criticisms like that. And again, I like can't applaud Brie Larson enough for how well she did in that role. And, and I even think Marvel did a good job just paying attention to more balance for male and female throughout the production. Since it was written and directed by Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, uh, I thought that was really refreshing for a film about a woman to actually have a female director and writer. And it's great that it was in tandem with a man. I am totally all for that because there's some balance. Yay. And even with the composition, I mean, I feel like in watching the credits roll aside from the visual effects team, I was impressed by how many females were in the credits. So I do appreciate that about Marvel, even though a lot of (laughs) the fan base of Marvel is a little different, but, uh, I think they made an effort, and even if it wasn't necessarily completely balanced, it seemed to me that there was an effort made on the production end for representation as well. So, yay, Marvel! Thanks, Marvel. And
2: in the comic books, I think Kelly Sue DeConnick, who is responsible for reviving this comic book in 2012, I think is when she started. Um, they were really smart to jump on it because initially Carol Danvers. Um, was uh, I think a CIA agent and ex-military, and then she takes up the mantle. She gets the powers and becomes Miss Marvel, mm. not Captain Marvel, who used to be a man. She uh-huh. becomes Princess she becomes, Marvel. She's sweet little girl Marvel. Um, God. And uh, so when Kelly Sue DeConic got the opportunity to write on it, she called her Captain Marvel, uh-huh. as she should be called and had no expectations of it going anywhere and thought it wouldn't get past 6 issues. Right. Um and then I think a year after she started writing it that's when Marvel Studios clued in and
1: because guess what world women are half of the consumers out there. Yeah. Like are you kidding me? <laughs> and there's women
2: in this industry and they write really interesting things. She's also in the movie itself. Really? Yeah. She's in the subway scene oh, when great. in early on you see Kelly Sue deConnick look at Brie Larson like <gasps>
1: It was Man. really cool. I remember the subway scene, obviously, but. I don't remember.
2: That. I've just met her a few times at Comic-Con. That's <laughs> not a problem. <laughs>
1: oh, wow.
2: She like looked at me and said just hi. Just that same way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're friends. Yeah.
0: I wonder what the younger generations of of gals think of the film. I think almost more than anybody else, I would love to hear more about what, you know, 12-year-olds and mm-hmm. are you listening year to our podcast?
1: Leave comments. Leave us <laughs> comments, one listener.
0: <laughs> Truthfully,
1: those are the voices I'm,
0: I'm most interested in in listening to and hearing. Uh, I think I'm I'm done with men deciding that they need to step up and be the first voice for content that is not for them. Not initially. Sure. I mean, women have been digesting male-focused content their entire lives. So maybe maybe this is just something that we understand that, yeah, it can feel bizarre to constantly be inundated. Oh, wait. You're not constantly inundated with female representation in this way. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. So maybe you just take, take a minute. Just take a minute and listen. Ask a question. Seek out unheard voices. Learn something. Mm -hmm. Because if you only look at this technically, or if you want to say, like people did with Black Panther, I just wish they would have represented blah, 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 blah better. You are not the right person to be commenting on this film. Mm -hmm. Because there are plenty of people who feel represented, who have never been represented before. And you are always represented.
1: Mm -hmm. So shush. So suck on that, Kyle Smith.
2: (laughs) It's really simple. It's about... Seeing little girls seeing a woman fly.
1: Oh. That's what it is.
2: That's <laughs> yeah. all it is. It's not, not that complicated. No. But that's what it is at the end of the day. That's what little girls are gonna look at. They're gonna look at this woman flying.
0: They're not gonna be singing all the nineties songs no. or watching America unpacked before their eyes and identifying with all of the sexism and belittling that they've experienced for their whole lives because oh wait, that's still coming. Unless we have more films like this that hit it on the nose hard enough that people wake up and open their eyes and recognize that sometimes a film that is following a formula is doing so because it's trying to get something really simple across. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Preach. (laughs) (laughs) My God, that was beautiful. I'm pissed too. Like, I'm surprised at how pissed off I got. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be because apparently it's my track record, but... At those reviews. I never want to read anything that they review again. I don't. I'm
2: just not shoot look him up. in the face mid sentence. Yeah. Jude uh, Law, yeah. Yawn rock style. Why don't we just go again? choke <laughs> on a yawn <laughs> <laughs> And a <tuna. laughs>
0: We didn't even talk about Samuel L. Jackson in this one. Oh, oh my God. He was this amazing. So
1: amazing. <laughs> that effect on his face. I cannot not it Such great it. buddies. Oh. What a great and I loved that that they had buddies. It wasn't a romance storyline at all. It was like a woman being supported with people that just Mm -hmm. happened to be there that she needed support from.
0: It was a woman on a romance quest for her identity Mm -hmm. and for her place, her new place in this world. Mm -hmm. That that was her partner, her former self, her former life. So amazing. Nom 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 nom
1: nom nom nom. So takeaways. My takeaways are don't say the F word so much in podcasts (laughs) about Captain Marvel, about Captain Marvel or Kyle Smith, actually, Um, (laughs) calling him by name. (laughs) My takeaway is, again, for me, not really being into comic movies or whatever, but giving them a chance because you never know as a woman, especially ladies, (laughs) what you could walk out feeling empowered by. Especially now, because Marvel is doing a good job pushing the envelope, I believe. Uh, And it takes women going to films like that and appreciating them for more films like that to come in the future. So let's all go be superheroes. Except you, Kyle (laughs) Smith. Go suck on them. (laughs) Yon Rock, I hate you so much. I don't hate you. I'm mad at you, though.
2: I'm excited for a world... (laughs) wherein we don't need these clichés to tell the truth. Because yeah, I'm tired of clichés too, but clearly we still need them because no one's getting it. So, I'm really looking forward to that world that I'll, it'll probably I'll die before it happens. <laughs> no. But where we're not relying on clichés to convey a very simple message.
0: I've talked a lot about others and my feelings about others in this podcast, but for myself, I think the takeaway is uh, personal growth-related. You know, I I had such an experience with Wonder Woman, like I said, I felt a distance. And with Captain Marvel, there is a knee-jerk reaction to look at this average woman and deem her as less super than someone born with innate powers that are so explicit. So the personal growth that I'm going to walk away from this viewing and this experience with is to learn to enjoy the difference between watching a woman you want to be versus watching a woman that you actually are. So thanks, Bree.
1: Thank you so much, Bree. You are a true inspiration.
0: So bring it on. Don't listen to the haters. We're mm-hmm. ready for the third installment. Whatever, whatever universe. Just give us more women. Mm-hmm. This has been a Talking to Crows production.